Hi, this is Anishka Fernandopoli. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button under my picture on dharmaseed.org or go to my website, anushkaf.org, A-N-U-S-H-K-A-F.org, and click on donate. Thanks. I appreciate your support. So before we uh, begin with our morning instruction and practice, I want to recognize another being has arisen on the stage. <laughs> this being is the mythical Catherine, who you have heard about, <laughs> who has emerged from her sickbed, we're happy to see. Uh, and yeah, maybe, do you want to say hello? Thank you. Hi. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Thank you, Anushka. Um, Yeah, I'll see you during the day. Practice together. Um, Maybe I'll share, sorry, maybe I'll share what I shared just now in the circle, in our our morning meeting of... um, I was quite I was quite sick with the flu and um I came in yesterday and um saw some of you and recognized some of you so those who I know and I know there's lots of people here I don't know and I'm really sorry to not get the opportunity to meet some of you um but but of those that I knew of you and remembered how much I've loved sitting with you and practicing with you the last number of years um, I f- start to feel the sorrow of not being able to engage in this retreat because I have so appreciated your practice over the years. And um, But we still have a day. <laughs> so uh, let's do it. Cool. So you're getting the uh, visual representation of uh, what's described in the Buddhist cosmology, how beings arise and pass away in uh, <laughs> worlds and at different time spans, different lengths and different karmic causes and so on. <laughs> and you can notice if there is some uh, you know, push and pull with that, right? Like sometimes there's a like, oh no, that one's gone, or like, oh, who's that? And you know, like this, and that's also is like dukkha, right? In this natural flow of uh, samsara, our uh, attachment, our resistance, our uh, difficulty, that. So uh, today is our last day of full practice, and the main instruction is uh, stay here. (laughs) So don't leave before it's time to go. But for your... um, practice experimentation, I'll um, introduce what will be uh, maybe a review for some of you, uh, in some ways a simplified way uh, to practice, in case anytime it seems way too confusing. And this is uh, based on this sutta, or the shortest teaching that the Buddha gave from for Bahia. Uh, many of you know this uh, story. So Bahia was a person who lived in the Buddha's time who was actually a sailor. He got shipwrecked. And then he came to on the beach, and uh, his clothes are washed off, his boat's gone. So he pulled off some uh, bark from the trees and made a kind of loincloth type thing and started walking 
to find a town. And uh, people assumed that he was uh, ascetic, like a spiritual practitioner. And uh, so thus, you know, offering him food, like he looked like a renunciate, he had nothing. Uh, and he kind of took to this role. So he, uh, <laughs> they kind of set him up in the, you know, the forest in this hut. And so he's practicing along. And then at some point he had this thought occurred to him. You know, people are treating him like he is this fully enlightened uh, being. And uh, it occurred to him, um, I wonder if I actually am. <laughs> uh, and uh, apparently... Uh, a deva, like one of his uh, ancestors, came to him and said, uh, Bahia, uh, you are not a fully enlightened being, nor are you on the path to enlightenment. <laughs> so it's good to have these spiritual friends who will um, help you to not believe the hype about yourself, right? <laughs> so then, to his credit, though, he uh, said, well, is there anyone who is? And this... Uh, Deva said, like, yes, there's one called the Buddha, and he's in uh, this place and, um, in Savati. And so then uh, Bahia, again, to his credit, immediately set out to go and see him. So he just started walking, like, immediately. And he walked day and night, like, and then when he finally got to the place where the Buddha was, uh, he asked the um, people there, like, where's the Buddha? And he had just started out in his alms round, uh, which is the daily walk where he goes into the town and gets uh, food offerings for the one meal of the day. So Bahia made a beeline to that area and he saw the Buddha and he said, um, please give me the teachings. And the Buddha said, it's not the right time we're going for the alms uh, offering. And uh, Bahia said, please give me the teachings. And the Buddha said, uh, basically, I could talk to you later. <laughs> and then uh, Bahia said, uh, please... Uh, we don't know how long this life is. I don't know what the conditions are. Please give me uh, your dhamma. Share the dhamma with me. So then the Buddha stopped. And uh, for some reason in the suttas, when people ask the Buddha three times something, he often uh, will uh, relent. So here's the, the sh shortest dhamma talk the Buddha gave on his way to lunch. <laughs> so, but listen, it's actually very profound and pithy. For, especially people who are like, ah, oh, all these lists, they're so long, it's difficult. So this is the one for you. <laughs> so Bahia, you should train yourself thus. In the seen, there's only the seen. In the heard, there's only the heard. In the sensed, there's only the sensed. In the cognized, only the cognized. This is how you should train yourself. When for you there is only the seen in reference to the seen, the heard in reference to the heard, the sensed in reference to the sensed, and the cognized in reference to the cognized. Then, Bahia, there is no you in terms of that. When there is no you in terms of that, there is no you there. You are neither here nor yonder nor between the two. This, just this, is the end of dukkha. So upon that teaching, Bahia uh, awakened. The conditions in his mind were such that he got it. And then the Buddha went off in his arms round. And the end of the story is that Bahia was actually good to have this urgency because he got killed on his way back. Uh, <laughs> so actually... Uh, something like a, a bull gored him or something like that, and he passed away. Uh, so you re recognize this seen, heard, cognized thing is basically talking about the six sense fields in some way. 
So I mentioned this, that in what we call our life is this rapid succession, seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, hearing, and in the mental field also, some kind of cognizing, you could say. So here's the simplified part that you can play with in the practice, is that when we're doing seated meditation, we actually have our eyes closed, usually, uh, in this tradition, so then uh, you're not seeing directly. You might have images, but those images are in your mind. That's in the field of uh, cognizing. So now we're down to five sense doors. And then you're usually not tasting or smelling something too much once you get used to the smell in the room and unless some breakfast dislodges from your mouth, you're usually not strongly tasting or smelling. So now we're down to three sense doors. So basically when you're sitting, even when it seems very complicated, one of three things is happening. So an experience of the body, so that would include experience of breathing as an experience of the body, any pain in the body, uh, tingling, temperature, all that stuff. So you could recognize that as one. We'll call that A. Then periodically you might hear a sound. Uh, Someone sneezing, coughing, bell ringing, teacher saying something. You could recognize that as B. And then there could be periodically or maybe even incessantly (laughs) something happening in the field of the mind. So we'll call that C. And it doesn't matter what it is in the field of the mind. It could be uh, some fabulous scientific invention, it could be a memory, it could be uh, um, trying to figure something out, it could be images, it could be imagined songs, all of that is just something happening in the field of the mind. So per this instruction, all we have to do is just recognize things just as they are. Like in some ways it's not a doing, it's sort of a letting go of constructing something else around it, Uh, specifically the constructing of the sense of meanness around it. So just allowing things to be as they are in this way. <clears throat> so this is a multiple choice vipassana. This is a simple, three things <laughs> happening, right? What is it happening, A, B, or C? And in some ways we can practice with either knowing the object portion of it. Uh, we can also practice with just the knowing of it, and the knowing of the sound, the knowing of the thinking. Uh, knowing of the experience of the body. So, uh, for example, you could hear the sound of the bell. So there's the sound you're hearing, but there also is the knowing of it. And it doesn't take a lot of effort to shift. It's just very slightly recognizing that different from the actual sound... Uh, that is the object of the sense experience, there is a knowing. Harder to do that with thought often, but one way you can play with that is imagining that the mind is a screen, you know, almost like a movie screen, and these thoughts are being sort of projected onto the screen of the mind. So usually we're glomming onto the contents of that and the images, the words. So it's a slight shift back to the screen, and that's just knowing that cognizing is here, right? knowing that that's what's going on. So if you like to play with that, uh, you can, just recognizing very simply this way in which these three main experiences are just kind of kaleidoscopically shifting during the entire uh, period. And see when it's possible for there to be no you here, there, in between any of that.
So let's practice together.
So just recognizing whatever it is that's in your field of experience now. Is it sensing in the body, hearing, cognizing?
In the seen, there's only the seen. In the heard, there's only the heard. In the sensed, there's only the sensed. In the cognized, there's only the cognized. There's no you in terms of that. You are neither here, nor yonder, nor between the two. This, just this, is the end of dukkha. Do you have any questions about your Dharma practice? And we'll keep them to Dharma practice, yeah? Not the going home ones. struggling than <laughs> just feeling it because I was like well if, I didn't know whether to go with feeling or cognizing when it came to emotion because it's kind of in between mm-hmm. so I just went with feeling how it felt in the body yeah great so the, the question about emotion and basically where it fits into this uh, schema and that uh, sometimes it can be sensed in the body but then also is it uh, in the mind or both and it seemed like the simplest thing is just to feel it in the body uh, and I'd say, yeah, there's there's kind of both components there. Like there can be some feeling of um, spaciousness or something, a different feeling in you know the the realm of cognizing. But really, we feel emotions most strongly in the body. So be with that and be with them as just passing uh, energetic arisings, you could say. Um, so even if you don't know to label what it is or something like that, it's just like okay, this energy. If you do know the name for some name for what it is then that's good and notice how it comes notice how it goes Uh, or if you're just recognizing sort of resting back in the knowing of it uh, without getting too involved in it you know in some ways yeah good yeah backpack
Right. So, a question about this example given uh, about the the hearing and is the knowing different than the hearing? Uh, so, yeah. No. Sorry if it's a. It can be the words can be more complicated, but the yeah. There's just the hearing, which is a, sort of a knowing through a certain sense door, i.e., the ear. Uh, so it's just uh, either you could call it hearing and then the object or you know the knowing of the object sort of through the the ear. Uh, so mainly it's to dis- distinguish there are these the objects which uh, are distinct from the knowing of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I start to look at them happening in succession rather than trying to look at them at the same time, they seem to come more rapidly. I was wondering if you have any comments about things happening at the same time or things happening sequentially. Yeah, so a question about <coughs> things seeming to happen at the same time or sequentially. So, yeah, technically uh, speaking, they are actually happening in rapid succession, so not at the same time. Usually if the level of... Um, concentration collectedness um, is one way, then we can perceive them as separate uh, and arising, passing. And then uh, in our usual kind of day-to-day level of concentration awareness, it seems like things are happening at the same time. So that's uh, true. Uh, One further addition to that, if you remember I talked about this uh, perception itself as one of the aggregates, as uh, one of the aspects of... um, mental functioning, you could say, mental life that is always there uh, arising and passing in each moment, but that also is changing, is unstable, unreliable, is not ourselves. So also in some way, even when it seems like things are solid, uh, that is a perception, right? There's a perception of this way, and then uh, sometimes there's a perception that way. So you don't need to get too tied up in some ways in like, is it this or is it that? But okay, this is a perception this way, this perception this way, and even noticing that that perception itself is uh, unstable in some ways. Yeah, good, thank you. Uh, yes, mitten hand, yes. Yeah, so some clarification about awareness and perception and um, if there seems to be a stillness of the mind and then there are these different uh, experiences happening, then uh, what is that? Is it it the mind? Is it awareness? And so on. 
So yeah, sometimes the words can be uh, confusing, and really the words are only pointing to some um, investigation, you know, with our direct uh, awareness through direct experience. So you could say that uh, in sometimes these things that are coming and going, and yeah, as you describe, sometimes they're coming and going, they're shifting faster than you can label them. And that's okay. So one thing is the labels after a while can feel kind of like clunky and mostly it's about being aware of them and that could happen more than even the word, uh, you know, you might be able to label every fifth or tenth thing and that's okay. So mostly the being with in that way. The stillness or steadiness of mind could be a couple of things so you could investigate, right? So it can be just resting in the knowing in some way. And the knowing itself could be this uh, considered just, uh, you know, we use these different words. So in some ways you could say it's consciousness, but because we're mindful with it, then we could say it's knowing and it's awareness, right? Uh, So awareness is mindfulness plus consciousness in some way. There's always knowing, like if you're just walking around in some ways you could say, there's always consciousness, but then there's awareness when there's mindfulness with it. So one distinction that maybe could be made is sometimes the objects are changing in rapid succession. There's a knowing of it, but there's an agitation, right? There's like some reactivity happening. That reactivity is happening in the field of, you know, what we could call the mind. Whereas the knowing itself can uh, be there through all of the different sense stores. The knowing uh, is also like in the with the what we what we, we might call the mind uh, is like knowing, and you could call that itself the sense door with mental objects. Um, you know, rather than like there's eyes, ears, nose kind of thing. So just to simplify it, let's just say that there's the knowing with mental objects. Uh, so the knowing is different than the mental objects, the thoughts, images, whatever it is. Yeah, and. You know, conceptually, you might think it's the brain or this or that, but we don't need to get too, like, caught up in that, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, something seems to have uh, built the relationship between a feeling and a particular thought. So there's, you can tell there's a feeling. Feeling it, there's that particular thought in the thinking part, and it's I can't seem to focus on one without the other specific feeling and or thought, depending on what I'm thinking about, being there and and dragging me from one to the other, from one to the other, uh, and I'm and I'm wondering. So a question about feeling and thought and uh, coupling, uncoupling. So uh, can you describe the feeling when you're saying feeling? A little bit more. Sorry, fear? Fear, yeah, okay. Uh, And then uh, thought uh, seems to arise with that too. I don't know which one is causing which. Yeah. So I don't know which one is causing which. So just be curious about that because it could happen both ways. You know, sometimes it can happen that the thought arises and then that thought conditions the fear. And sometimes it might happen that the sense of fear, and I'm motioning here because often we feel it 
in the chest, in the belly, you know, in some contracted way. Uh, and then there's some thoughts about it. Right? Now, usually our way of, of being with that is to get caught in the thought world, you know, i.e. in the painting of the tiger kind of thing. Um, but here the recommendation uh, is to be curious about that arising of thought and see how that gets constructed both ways, either when the feeling comes and then the thought or the thought and the feeling, but primarily keeping the attention in the movement of energy here and in just allowing that to be as it is. So neither pushing it away nor overindulging it and here not creating a me in that either way. Mm. That scares me even more. Okay, so fear that these are going to be here forever, right? And, and they're tied together forever. Yeah, that they're tied together forever. So you could reflect on impermanence once for that one also. And, um, you know, just that that thought itself is another thought about stuff, right? Uh, and then um, that thought is in some ways creating another uh, tiger, <laughs> another, and then creating fear like that. So uh, as much as possible, just recognize like, okay, this also is a thought and um, just don't know can sometimes be helpful. You know, whenever there's a thought like, oh, it's always going to be like this or like it's, uh, you know, this is never going to end. It's like, don't know. Just have to be with it how it is right now. Helpful, thank you. Yeah. Okay, so maybe one more. Okay. Can you help me reconcile the not-self with the fact that we spent nine days of practicing our minds and a certain skill set of using that? Because I'm familiar with the fact that the Big Dipper and thoughts aren't mine and that's clearly <coughs> internalized. But it's also very clear to me that I am at the, in the driver's seat to some extent. Mm. So how do you reconcile that? So reconciling uh, anatta with the fact that uh, we seem to have been practicing uh, meditation for nine days. <laughs> And seem like you're in the driver's seat. So, um, so describe a little bit more. What's what's the driver's seat? What's it like being in the driver's seat? I I can control my focus. So, with some discipline or practice, I can get better at noticing when my mind wanders. Mm, okay. So, yeah. so for example, that you can get better at noticing when the mind wanders. So there can be seemingly a me who is uh, practicing this discipline of meditation and uh, seemingly improving but also seemingly sometimes not improving, right? <laughs> so meaning like even in just one uh, like instance, let's say, like let's say you have some um, you and here the language gets um, a bit messy, right? So I'm, I'm using, I'm going to speak in English, so use common sentence structure. So when <laughs> it seems like you are, um, you have this intention like, oh, okay, going to be with the breath, going to be present with whatever else arises. So there's an intention, and then maybe that seems to happen more than if you didn't have that intention, right? But it also doesn't happen perfectly. So then at different periods, uh, you might get lost in thought. So mindfulness is not present in those moments. Um, So that is a sign of selflessness in some ways, right? So it's not like there is some permanent, unique, individual, controlling entity who is in charge, because if there were from the word go, like you would have done it perfectly and had, you know, there's no, there's no puppet master, right? So then sometimes it happens, but then sometimes there's a getting lost, let's say. That's a sign of anatta, right? That's a sign that 
there's not a me puppet master. Also notably, though, sometimes then you wake up, <laughs> right? Uh, and you remember, like, oh, yeah, meditating, right? IMS, here we are, meditation retreat. <laughs> so even in that moment of waking up, like, how did that happen? Like, that also happened selflessly in some way, right? You didn't plan, like, exactly uh, six minutes and 23 seconds of uh, spacing out and then uh, <laughs> returning, right? So you could say it's just conditionality. And part of the conditionality is uh, from intentions, so intention, determination is actually a mental factor. And so in this case, it's around being mindful, you could say. So then we're actually sort of planting the seeds and cultivating, if you will, uh, mindfulness. We're cultivating this mental factor. And so as we cultivate that, then that arises more. Right. Um, but also, it hasn't been just this nine days that we've been cultivating mental factors. Like actually all of our life, and if you like past lives, we have been cultivating melting factors. So in any moment you're cultivating, you could say, collectedness or distractedness. And probably you have more than nine days of cultivating distractedness uh, <laughs> in some form, right? Uh, so then, yeah, sometimes it uh, arises, and as we practice more, then maybe that uh, arises more often, the presence and mindfulness, and maybe it seems to happen more effort, effortlessly. Um, but then also there are some moments in which it's not present, and then it pops up again. So, yeah, in some ways you could say there's the wisdom cultivating itself, or there's just this, uh, this process that uh, is uh, continuing and, you know, seemingly are good intentions, but even whether there are good intentions uh, can be uh, sort of punctured by seeing that even that is not stable. Does that make sense? It's spookier in concept in some ways than actually in uh, the actuality of experience. And basically it's sort of like um, we're adding this overlay of meanness on the whole thing. And uh, it's unnecessary. And when we add that overlay on, it creates this contraction because then there's some like fictitious ego me that has to get this or not get this or who suffers or who is the center of this story, or something like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I see you waving, but... Uh, <laughs> sorry. All right, so um, there are actually a little bit more uh, opportunities, if you like, to uh, have some uh, input from teachers. So uh, Yana is going to have some groups uh, today, sign-up groups. And please only sign up for a group with Yana if you have not seen him uh, thus far. Um, Catherine also, health pending, uh, was planning to put up a group also. Yeah. Okay, she just coughs a lot, but uh, <laughs> we'll assume she's going to do that. And then um, Jean was going to put up a few uh, slots for um, individual meetings in case there's something that you feel like you couldn't have talked about in the group um, that it helps to get um, individual uh, help with from uh, meditation teacher, then a uh, couple opportunities for that. But um, please use that sort of judiciously. And we're still in all of these just talking about the Dhamma practice, right? So tomorrow we'll talk about going home and all that stuff. Um, so here's one more um, teaching from the Buddha. So You can do that now. Teaching from the Buddha after Yana says something. 
We definitely don't want to confuse the two. Is this on? Yeah. Just to let you know, as you go out, you'll see, I think, the um, program for the afternoon or the schedule for the day will be posted. And um, we'll let you know what's happening, as I said yesterday, when we get there more. But just to say this afternoon, there will be a speaking and listening meditation exercise, which will be a guided practice of bringing what we've been doing this whole week into that field of somewhat more relational engagement as part of a transition acknowledging that we're moving towards more of that in the coming days but not needing to move towards it before we get there there's a great practice here and likewise in the latter part of the afternoon there will be um, a talk from some of the staff uh, with regard to various elements of the retreat relevant to the ending time um, from the retreat manager and there'll be ride coordination we if you need to sort things out about transport and also um, talk about dana the tradition at ims and uh, the insight meditation tradition in terms of uh, generosity and sharing and we ask that you all please be there for that um, and i don't have the exact time right in front of me i won't try and get, remember but it will be on the notice board and we'll tell you again in the afternoon and this evening we will have a different program which will involve some as many of you who've been to this retreat before know, will involve some, you know, we could say, more ritual ceremonial engagement with the fact that we're marking the ending of one year and the beginning of the next, not literally at the turn of New Year's, but for us the New Year probably begins when we return into our lives from this retreat. And so we will mark that and we'll tell you how we'll be doing that when we get closer to that, just so you know. Sorry, thank you. Oh. <laughs> and sorry, I actually didn't have time yesterday to put up extra one-to-ones, so I, I will endeavour to respond to the notes I received. I haven't managed to yet. Yeah, maybe just to paraphrase it is, uh, let go of the past, let go of the future, but even let go of the present. Let go what has gone before, let go that which comes after, let go of your hold on the middle as well. And get well beyond all existence, thus with mind released in every way, then comes nevermore to the arising of birth and death. <laughs> 